shut up and sit down. All right, Mike, you made it. You uh, you traversed the the New York uh, New York City subway system from Queens to get to Brooklyn for the Limited Upside podcast. This is episode ten. Uh, how did that feel? How did that feel on the weekends? It's not easy to get from where you live in Queens to where I live in Brooklyn. I'm very embarrassed <laughs> because I consider myself like a New York City subway expert of sorts. How long you lived here for? A year and a couple months. Expert. Yeah, I mean, no, I've done some reading. Like I, I've, <laughs> I've learned some history. Uh, it did, you know, there's a Sporkle quiz where you can, if you name every single of the 300 something stations, Good God. I can name about 200 of them. Could you really? Do you yeah. really think you could? Wow. I've done it before. Wow. I, I don't think I could name, I mean, I guess if I sat here for a while and thought about the places I've been, but I, I limit myself to like 10 blocks here in Brooklyn. Alas, you made it here, man. You made it here. Cause this is a milestone episode. This is our 10th episode. Oh, wow. Can you believe that? Yeah, we're an NBA veteran. Yeah, yeah, and, and we're going we're gonna to get into that. We're going to talk about what it really means to be a veteran these days. Before we get into the topics we kind of planned out, a few injuries happened in the last two weeks. We'd be remiss to not say Derrick Rose is out potentially for the rest of the season, but through the rest of the regular season uh, with another knee injury, partially torn meniscus. And Wes Matthews blew out his Achilles the other night. Uh, real quick, Mike, which one is a more devastating injury for their team? Oh, boy. Put you on the uh, spot. Which one? I would say if you took stripped away like all the emotion of it, I would probably say Wes Matthews just because you know he shoots threes, he plays defense, he's like a superstar role mm-hmm. player. They have a Flalo now to fill in, but then suddenly the whole point of why they got a Flalo was to improve their bench, and sure. now it's an even bigger problem. Add the emotion back in, though, because that does matter. These are yeah, humans. I think it's just to see Rose get hurt again, for the Bulls to do kind of this not again, let's you know, we're doing this again. We have to deal with the injury. That part sucks. But the other thing is, though, they kind of play well when their, you know, backs are against the wall. I mean, they have no rows. You didn't mention Jimmy Butler, another sure, bad injury. Sure. sure, I should put that on there as well. And Taj Gibson is hurt. Suddenly now, Miritich is playing well. This guy, Etwan Moore, is <laughs> this playing guy, well. This guy, Etwan Moore. Produce finest, man. Produce finest. Uh, how many Purdue co- players are in the NBA right now? Uh, well, so on Minnesota's bench, I saw, um, what's his name? Robbie Hummel. Hummel, right. The guy who had like three ACLs and he graduated Purdue at like 26 years old, but yep. he was a, a good player. Do you remember Juwan Johnson? Yeah, I do. Juwan Johnson was, again, an athletic guy, not really a good NBA player. I'm trying to think of other guys who, uh, did Cardinal, Cardinal, Cardinal? Brian Cardinal, Brian Cardinal was in the league, yeah. And he played for a while. He yeah. played for a few teams. But uh, not, any, not anymore. But. No, there's not a whole lot of Purdue players. That might be it. If we're, we're probably forgetting someone super obvious. Anyway, but so they're playing well without him, so yeah. maybe they just need to rally around. So, But either way, I think you know the Matthews injury does hurt. Sure. It's also just what, what I hate about that injury is that it's just so devastating for him because oh, he's yeah. about to Contracts. be a free agent, yeah. and that's a horrible injury and very hard to recover from. Um, but, yeah, I mean, those are those are tough. And so it does shine focus on something that gets talked about a lot. You know, we laid out all the guys who have been hurt this year um, in different ways. Some chronic, some not. You know, you got superstars. 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 I mean, the Oklahoma City guys, Blake Griffin, Anthony Davis for a little bit. Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard. Most of the year. Kobe Bryant again. Mm-hmm. Uh, the list goes on. Dwayne Wade still not really recovered. Bosch out for the rest of now, the Bosch year. Bosch was a unique Different, case. Sure. But, but yes. nonetheless, these guys are out. And, and Kemba Walker. Sure. Uh, there's plenty of good examples. Drew oh, Holiday, Holiday for most of the season, right? Yeah. Uh, Jennings has been out for most of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, the list goes on and on. We just named like a couple. I mean, at least a few first, second, third team NBA players, guys who are of the higher quality in the NBA. Which is a shame too, because if you could tell me that this, the, the level of basketball this year in the NBA, how tight the Western Conference is, the storylines, and honestly, the matchups in the East, which are pretty good as well. I think the second round of the East is going to be just fine, Mike. And st- you're in a negative position right now because you've had two different seasons in one. You had the Wizards jumping out, and now you have the Wizards drowning. And I f- I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's like they're Let's in quicksand, and they're just constantly sinking. Right. But don't think about them. Think about what the second round matchups in the Eastern Conference are. There are two good teams in the East right now. Yeah. And one's ten and a half games up and just one for the third straight time against the other with Atlanta putting it on Cleveland yeah, the, on the Friday, playoffs, and then losing to the Sixers on Saturday. Yeah, the East playoffs is not going to be that fun. Unless Toronto turns it back around and Chicago kind of is able yeah. to rally a little bit. Sure, and, sure. But the, So those injuries are uh, helping to shape the way this league is going to be because if everybody is at full strength, it could be tremendous, one of the best seasons, and, and hopefully it still is when the playoffs come around. But there have been a lot of injuries, and a lot of injuries to good players, and you're starting to see the uh, the wear and tear. Guys, when losing Matthews... Um, 
isn't, from my opinion, not as bad because the whole Rose thing was that I think mentally that took a couple games out of them afterwards. Uh, and, and honestly, for the, for the way it makes people feel, when they see what this guy's gone through, uh, I think at this point it's almost like a, is is his career going to be this way? And you start thinking way longer and way past. This injury in itself is not that bad, but the cumulative effects of the compensatory issues he seems to be having from his first injury, he has yet to get back to health. Yeah, and, and guys are seeing that. Is that a conversation you can have with a teammate or a friend or, or a coach even? Like, hey, Derek, like you're going to either have to change the way you play the game, which won't be as effective as a player, or – you might want to think about something else. Like, your yeah. knees can't play basketball. Yeah, this one is not it's as very big. very tricky. This one's not as big of a deal because, the, you know, the knee is in such bad shape. They're able to just shave off the bad part mm-hmm. and probably will come back. But, no, you're not – Derrick Rose is not going to be a George Hill shoot jumpers, although that's not the great comparison either. But he's not going to be the guy that dumps the ball in the post and shoots right. threes. The more interesting question, I'm curious. I have some theories, and I mm-hmm. have a lot of thoughts, and I, I don't know if – uh, there's a good answer to this, but with all those injuries, you know, is there something about the way the game is played now, the way players train that is causing all these injuries to happen? I mean, is there right. something we need to talk about? Is this a larger conversation? Is it the amount of games? Well, what do you think? I'm curious. I have a lot of theories. Sure, sure. Um, so I would say this. I think that I think it's a number of things. I think there's uh, an overtraining starting at a younger age that this generation's been doing for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I played youth basketball. You probably did as well. I coached AAU basketball in California. I saw how much those kids played. They were part of an academy. They played basketball four or five days a week. They played games another day of the week or so. Um, that wear and tear at a young age builds a lot of mental pedigree. I mean, these kids are more ready to play college. They're more ready to play at a younger age. That's why I think the whole rule about how old you can be to be in the NBA, I think is stupid. I think you should be able to, if you're 18 and you want to leave high school, or you're, you're done with high school and you want to go play, I think you should be able to be in the NBA. Yeah. I think the, the mental acuity and the professionalism at younger levels in basketball now is so much greater than it used to be that the, the kids are more ready. Even a decade ago, from, from a decade ago to now, I think it's changed. I they're, really do. I think there's a better they're awareness. They're Corley on Youngs and yeah, uh, but the, those, those guys, guys. Sure, they exist, but for every one of those, there's a guy who has to go to college that no, he's I just t- not suited I'm 100% for. 100% with yeah. you. I'm just uh, so saying. I, but the idea is that I think that the training, the overtraining, at those younger ages, leading into you know uh, a, a cup of tea in college where you're going to go through a whole different weight training, totally different practice schedule, but only for a brief moment, not even enough to really adjust your body to, and then right into a professional league. Uh, I think that's what it is. I think it's the over overstress at young ages through their careers that lead to the difference between their actual age, which is a topic that's perfect. Good segue, right? Here we are. The actual age of somebody versus their NBA age. We wanted to talk about this because yeah. it's all over the NBA right now. It's an interesting topic. I think um, you also, one thing to keep in mind there is these guys are also still growing. Mm-hmm. Uh, their bones and joints are still growing, and to put so much stress on them, you know, before their bodies are fully developed, I think is a problem. Um, you know, so a couple thoughts. I think one, we have to at least acknowledge that there's possible there isn't really as big a problem as we think. We just all these injuries kind of get blown up a little more. Mm-hmm. I mean, guys got hurt in the '80s and '90s, and sure. So they you didn't know, have those, they, they, they were going in ice buckets for four hours, and that was that. Yeah. Whatever it was. You know I mean, there was no like, uh, they weren't getting massage therapy, stim, uh, you know, with the masseuse who traveled with them. Yeah. You know? I mean, Isaiah Thomas's <laughs> career ended because of an Achilles. I mean, guys sure. got hurt back in the day. Yeah. I also think, I want to know what you think of this theory. I think it's harder to play a game now than it was in the 90s. What do you mean? I think that defense is more taxing. I think these guys have to run around with the way they, they the rotations work. You know, with the way the game is, it's spread, pick and roll. You've got to cover shooters a lot more. You is have, there more team basketball now? Is this more of a team basketball I think it's league? different. I think it's just a different form. Well, you know, whereas in the past, you know, you could throw the ball in the post and the rules would be – it'd be hard to double team. So you might have big guys banging, but some of those perimeter guys, I think, could have so you think stood the, around a little bit more, sure. rested on defense. More one-on-one isolation basketball in the 90s, for sure. I think, For yeah, sure. certainly more post-ups. And yeah. just the way the rules are, they it's harder to double-team. Mm-hmm. Now it's like, you on a given play, you may trap the play. You, you'll have another guy stunting to the shooter or the guy in the corner. You'll have two other guys who have got to zone up. I mean, I threw a thing up this on Friday or Saturday about the Hawks and their trap and how, many, how all those guys were so connected. I mean... Those five guys were not connected in the past. You can't rest on defense anymore. Right. I think it's just... 
you know, you're putting in more of a strain on your knees, your feet, your legs, and all of that so playing NBA say, now than you did 20 years so ago. You would attribute the extra wear and tear to the defensive side of the ball more than the offensive side of the ball. Probably, yeah. It's interesting. I think it's, it's a theory I have. I yeah. think it's just it's not. I'm not the only person to have this theory. Sure. I just think that it's harder to play a game now than it was 20 years ago. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, that, I mean, someone would argue though that the, the physicality of the 90s though was that's a little bit harder on the body though. The physicality of the 80s. I mean, the, there was a whole different level of what you got away with from a, a person to person contact. That's true. You know, and so that and maybe there's an evening out, but look, I, I like. I like what you said there. I think I kind of agree with that. I, I never really thought about the extra running. Uh, how many how many miles do you think Ray Allen ran in his career? A lot on more the than court. a lot more than like Ricky Pierce ran. Yeah, you know right, what I mean. Right. Yeah, for sure. No, like even someone like Del Curry was like a, a throwback player. You know, I bet Gary Neal ran has run many more miles in his career than Del Curry. Yeah, and Del. Del was a good player. Right, but, but he, yeah, that, that, that kind of player, right? Like the running yeah. off screens type. Sure, sure, it's a specialist. So um, that's a theory. You know, you make a good point about the physicality. The other thing is that people are playing fewer minutes now, and then there's also better train, better mm-hmm. kind of recovery. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's They're possible that it too. evens out a little bit. There's also smarter about in the individual nature of basketball now. Everyone ha- everyone is on a specific plan. Each person's minutes are looked at so closely. Uh, yeah, look, it's it's a smarter game now. Everyone knows that, but right. um, it, so what we were getting at though is that certain guys uh, who might have come into the league earlier, who have played at a more uh, high level, so they've been on playoff teams, so they're playing extra seasons worth of games. They their NBA ages and their actual ages grow further apart, and that gap unfortunately creates these careers that hit ages when in the past uh, someone when like Michael Jordan was at 33 he had a lot of basketball left in him right Michael didn't overtrain in the summers we know he took his time to have plenty of leisure yep uh, Michael played a few years of college correct yeah he played three years three of years of college he also had a year and a half off okay for his great. first retirement perfect the point here this is exactly what we're saying and this is Michael Jordan we're using the best player in NBA history right the idea is that his actual age and his NBA age ran pretty parallel. Um, his, the, his body broke down. He broke his foot when he was like, uh, I think, like twenty three or twenty four years old. Same, second year, in second the year league. in league. Same injury that um, Embiid had. The same broken bone in the foot. Uh, and other than that, had Durant a, too, I believe. Yeah, I think so. It's it's a popular one. Yao Ming had it. Mm-hmm. The uh, Jones fracture, yes, or whatever. Yes, and the right. idea is that um, it's worse on big guys. And, you know, he came back from that, but his NBA age and actual ages stayed real close, and he was able to have a long career, play into his late thirties. Kobe's sort of the opposite end of the spectrum where he's an absolute freak of nature, but has had three season-ending injuries in a row. Mm-hmm. His NBA age and actual age, the disparity met a breaking point. We're seeing this right now because there's plenty of guys who really aren't that old. They're right around that 29 to 30-year-old mark, and they're starting to get to these phases where they have nagging career-long injuries. That's Dwayne Wade. That's Carmelo Anthony. You're seeing guys like Tony Parker slow down. Mm-hmm. Guys like Dwight Howard, who's even a little younger than that, are hitting these, these walls where they've had one major injury, a back, a knee, an ankle, whatever it may be, and then the compensatory injuries after that that they never seem to get away from. Dwight had a bad lower back. Now he's got bad knees. He never had bad knees. Tony Parker's a guy who's had a number of different bumps and bruises in his career, but his ankles have never been strong. Now you see a guy like Tony Parker, and he's just not as good on a game-in and game-out basis. Yeah. These disparities in actual age and NBA age are really starting to become, I think, evident in some of the best players. I think so. You didn't even mention LeBron, who sure, I think so, is a really good example of that as well, um, with how he sat out this year and how many minutes he's played. You know, the question is: You say with the basketball age and the NBA and and the real age are not yeah, lined sorry, up. Age, yeah. It's also possible that you know, what if this is the new basketball age? The new right. basketball age may be from 19 to 30 instead of from mm-hmm. 22 to 34 or whatever. Yeah, it's interesting. It's, it's almost like how we define uh, careers in, in different sports like the NFL, right? Yeah. An, an NFL running back at age 27 hits a wall. Um, maybe it's like that with NBA superstars who have always been destined for greatness. A guy like Tony Parker was playing professional at 16 years old. Yeah. You know, the, the amount of minutes he's, he's been in the playoffs every single – year in his career mm-hmm. yeah and and many finals runs he's in his what year now he was draft he was drafted in 2001 so this is like his 14th, 14th year. year i mean yeah. there's definitely something to that you know yep it is there's still i think age does matter to some degree because there are just certain especially when you're younger your brain as a human being does not fully develop until mm-hmm. i want to say age like 28 thus don't play football 
So what you're getting exactly. at? Okay, cool. Yeah. What is the? There's like your 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 maximum cognitive kind of acuity is like hmm. in the mid twenties. I think is what the study That's is. That's some intelligent stuff there, Mike. I, that this could be complete BS. This is a limited upside <laughs> science podcast. Mike is our resident yeah. psychologist. Guys, this is actually <laughs> stuff you should know. <laughs> the cognitive discipline. Of, no, no, but I, I know what you're saying. I, I, so I get where the, you're going with that. So there's like like a guy like Michael Kidd Gilchrist is in his third year. and He's 21, I believe. Bradley Beal, third year, 21. Yep. Damian Lillard in his, is in his third year, and he's 25, 26. It feels like Westbrook's been in the league my whole life at this point. Mm-hmm. Doing this, cra- you know, having these crazy games uh, the past two weeks. I'd be have to mention obviously the Westbrook. Yes, just, we'll, we'll talk about that later. Well, Westbrook deserves his own podcast right now. Well, Westbrook also has some injury issues that he's Pl- plenty, plenty. But as soon as he gets back on the court from whatever injury it is, it's like he's right back at 100 percent because he's not cut from the same cloth that yeah, the rest it, of the it's NBA. It's so is. weird. He's a whole weird case. We can talk about later. Yeah, like yeah, but you think that he's like like we used to say that Kobe was like a bionic person too, and then of course as it turned out, like even his body. Will oh no no! Break. I, Westbrook at thirty, I don't, I don't, it's going to be like a boxer who's fought like he's in his like sixty fifth fight and he's been knocked yeah. out ten times in his career and he's like you know forty five ten and five or something like that. That's what he's going to be when he's thirty. He's going to have put so many miles, so much pace, so much contact, so much aggression on the court mm-hmm. in ten years or twelve years in his career. Yeah, I, I have no idea what he'll be like at thirty. But right now he's at a hyper speed. He he didn't like you said bionic. His head dented. It oh, that was his, ridiculous. His broken bone was a dent, which is so th- weird. What is he made out of, right? Bionic is, yeah. might be the actual fair way so to say. Let's move this forward a little yeah. bit. So we have let's assume that we do have a problem with, mm-hmm. with the way training and injuries are. It's not like Well can, can I give you a few people real quick? I, I wrote down some comparison people. Okay. Just to give you an idea of like a John Havlicek or a, uh Peyton, Pippin, KG, Andre Miller even, okay? A guy like Andre Miller has played from age 23 when he got in the NBA, four years of college, to 38. 15 years. Not too dissimilar to, I don't know, Tony Parker's played from age 19, 18 and a half, to 32. About 7,000 different minutes uh, between them. Miller's played about 7,000 more minutes. Does that count playoffs? Yeah, that counts all their minutes they've played. But the idea here is I'm that... I'm surprised. I would have expected Parker to play many more minutes. Well, Parker's never going to make it to 32,000 minutes. It's a lot of minutes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, to put it into perspective, LeBron's played 35,000 minutes. KG played 49. That is nuts, by the way. Oh, 35,000 already? Yeah, That's I mean, amazing. he's only 30. and yeah. Oh, he's going to shatter the NBA minutes record. Shatter it. Well, that assumes he holds up. All well, the way yeah. through. Right, um, which that's a good point. Um, anyway. Havlicek, Havlicek, 22 to 37. He played 46,000 minutes in his career, and he played ages 22 to 37. That that key number of like 37, 38 gets obtained when you go to college. I think that's kind Thank of what I found. Well, th- so this <laughs> actually know? is an interesting segue. So let's say that there is a problem, and you're tasked with trying to fix it. Mm-hmm. Where does it start for you? Because I think this is a really difficult thing to solve. For It's not as easy as it sounds. So is the problem, let's define the problem. The problem is that... There are too many guys getting hurt and too many careers that are, I don't want to say cut short, but just the longevity of some of our stars is not quite what it used to be. Right. I'll say, I'll define the problem as a shade of that, right? Which is that most guys, as we know now through NBA history, when they meet their mental and physical apex, it's like in that 30 to 33 range, right? Mm -hmm. Because they're so smart, but they're still physically able to play the game at a high level. I would and say it's we're missing out, to be honest. Maybe like 28 to 33. I would say, frankly, it's like 26 to 29. But now, though. Like right. Or back in the past, yeah. yes, I would so I'm say. Saying, I'm saying what we're doing is we're not allowing for those guys to get the last two, three, four years of their prime, basically. Right. That's the issue. Mm-hmm. What's the solution? Yeah. What do yeah. you think is like a way to solve this? Well, I, I, think, I think part of it, uh, man, I'm not even sure. Do you I, think I don't there should think be these, fewer games? Yeah, so I guess that was the first segue here. Yes, yes, I do. I think it should be a 62-game season. I think if you take 20 games away, at this point right now, the best players in the NBA are playing, like, what, 70 games, 65 games a year? Well, some of them are still playing all 82. No, I mean, I mean, when I say best, I mean, like, uh, let's let's define that LeBron as, like, is gonna keeping play, in the same age group we're talking yeah, about. LeBron is going to play, he missed, what, like, maybe, and you count all the rest days, he'll probably play between 65 and 70 games. Sure. So if that's a, the defined, uh, that's what it takes to keep the best players fresh, just taking 10 games off, do it. I think that's a simple fix. Now, it's a television issue, obviously. They're about to get paid billions and billions of dollars to play every game. 
<laughs> let alone cut the amount of games by a quarter. That would that will not work. That's not going to happen. So whether it's the solution or not, well, we know it's it's not right. Gonna the happen. owners are never going to let it happen. What about never. if you still had eighty two games but you spread them out more? The season and the argument counterpoint season's already very long. It it already ends at a point where everyone has natural things outside that take away from your interest in sports. The whole country, the Northeast dethaws. It becomes a beautiful place, and everyone's like, "Oh my God, sports don't matter as much." <laughs> and then it's we can so, go well, outside. Okay, but like, but that's a so I, I think it's a not, I think it's a tough thing to do as well. But do you think that would help people stay healthier? If let's yeah. say the season started in mid October or early October, you just cut out a lot of preseason, and then it you add maybe three weeks in the season, mm-hmm. and you just spread the eighty two out, so you eliminate some of the four and fives and a lot of the back to backs. Do you think that would make people healthier? Yeah, probably would. It probably you think would. so? Yeah, I think the players hate the back-to-backs. I think and so that's too. a big part of that. I think, though, the problem runs deeper. I think we need – this is a really difficult solution. I think we need to rethink how we train kids in high school and lower. Interesting. I think that this problem starts with training as, as a kid, with all the basketball they play. Yeah. There needs to be more of an emphasis play, placed on resting and not – doing too much strength training early and you know let's not barnstorm these kids around the country you know playing in zillions of tournaments like let's be a little more sensible about that Mm -hmm. you know both as parents as youth coaches i don't know the physiology of kind of the the joints and the muscles and whatever but i i have to think that that would be a go a long way to prolonging careers yeah i bet there's i bet there are like 10x more acls achilles you know meniscus injuries uh Every type of type, you know, serial sports injury occurring now than there was 30 years ago. I think you're right. That probably the AAU circuit is grueling. Like we talked about it earlier, but these kids are playing an incredible amount of basketball, and it's high pressure, and it's also like really unregulated. It's just running. It's tons of movement. Mm-hmm. It's it's minutes are whatever. You're playing three, four games at a time in really hot gyms. You take a team to Vegas in the summertime. Yeah, you're playing at like the Tarkanian Center, whatever it is. Uh, it was a good 90 in there. I'm you know, sure. I had seven players on my – eight players on my team. Every kid's playing 35 minutes. Yeah. And <laughs> they play how many games in a day? Yeah, like three four times five, a day, four times a day. Something like that. Yeah. You know what's going to be an interesting test study is someone like Rubio who comes from the European system. You know, Parker too. Yeah. Um, we'll see how he holds up. But like if someone like Rubio – you know, Rubio's had a torn ACL. And, and he had ankle this year. Was he had gruesome. an ankle issue, issue this year. Those looked like freak injuries more than wear and tear. That's mm-hmm. a guy who's been playing for a long time, but in Europe's system, which maybe emphasizes a little more drill work and a little less just playing. Wonder how long a career he'll have. Yeah, he's a he's a good case study. I think uh, I think one of the things with Rubio, I, I like what you said there too. They were freak injuries. The Kobe knee hitting his knee at the weird angle mm-hmm. ACL, like that's. That was a terrible break. Yeah. Uh, very unfortunate. And, yeah, that's just one of those random contacts. The ankle this year was really bad. Yep. Uh, when I saw that live, I thought to myself, he just tore everything in his ankle, which ended up basically being that. Yeah, it was Sprained a little so less bad. serious than we all thought. Yeah, luckily, but it's still, but... he missed three months. Yeah, know? he did miss a while. It's a long time. Yeah, but... but that'll be an interesting test study. I mean, are there any other, I mean, what are the European prospects were drafted, or international prospects mm-hmm. were drafted super young? I mean, how long is... You know, Manu is an interesting example. He's still playing at a high level, at a, a less of a high level, but he's how old now? Like thirty-seven. Oh yeah, and, and he but he played years at high-level professional basketball. Right, but that's yeah. what I'm saying is that if we're thinking that the problem starts when you're yeah. fourteen, fifteen, or whatever, right, because of all the all the playing you do in the U.S. They're the other sample group. Basically. Yeah, it'd be yeah. interesting to see that. So hmm. I think that might be the real problem here. I think you know, trying to solve at the NBA level, maybe kind yeah. of, you know window dressing a little bit it's not really going to change that much if you it's probably the schedule out and you have better yeah. training it's probably not dissimilar to the concussion issue in football just yeah. at a much less serious issue uh it's not their brains that are being injured but right. yeah the, the concept being that it doesn't start at the final product it mm-hmm. starts at the beginning the, so the, the, the goal is to change how people tackle when they're 12 13 14 i hope we're not the only people who are out there like this is an issue this needs to be addressed because it, i really feel like it does you sell the superstars in the NBA. The uh, the new television contract isn't based upon great nine team nine player units like the Hawks. It's based upon the the best superstars in the league like Dwayne Wade and, mm-hmm. and uh, Carmelo Anthony playing. Like yeah. Carmelo not playing in the New York market leaves leaves nine guys who shouldn't be in the NBA playing in Madison Square Garden. Every Absolutely, night. and TV yeah. ratings are down nationally. I think a lot of it is because the, the big market teams are bad, but I think it's an interesting thing to think about. You know, a lot of teams are now going to the Spursian, let's endure the regular season, let's get through it, mm-hmm. as opposed to let's 
attack it mm-hmm. with all our vigor. Yeah, it's it's interesting. You know, we I, obviously we neither of us have done studies to see like if there really are more injuries. It's just or our opinion. Whatever, like you know, we haven't. We're not like rigorous scientists that like have gone through the data and. You got scientific earlier. Don't I sell did. yourself short. I, 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 I faked it like I'm a snake oil salesman scientist. Um, we're not we're not like that. So don't come back at us and be like, oh, but you didn't do your research. You're just talking, you know. Nick, edit this whole thing out. Uh, no, just, no, exactly. You just talk. It's just, we're just talking. talking. So let's move on though. Yeah. Let's talk about some stuff that's a cool. little more current. <laughs> okay. All right. We'll finish this off with a few topics I wanted to hit about what happened in the past two weeks since we last potted, but. Mike, we, we never get light enough here. People complain. The people who listen, they say, everything is so technical. What about the funny side of basketball? What about the things that we're all thinking but we never talk about? So I want to throw some names at you, or I should say some professions. One of the things that always cracks me up about the NBA is each coach is so different. They're like autonomous little empires, right? And sometimes they're very successful. And those empires can succeed forever. And it's really just that personality and the the general mentality that a a coach has to take. But how would that lend itself to like a real world job? Like (laughs) you're an editor, I do sales, sound engineer, whatever it may be. And then then how would an NBA coach translate to that? Because Hmm. it's such a wild skill set. It's such like a dynamic personality and managing system. And at the end of the day, you are the fall person. So you're almost like the CEO without getting... Being the CEO. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm going to throw some jobs at you. You tell me which coach comes to mind uh, off the top of your head. Oh, we're going to do it this way. All well, right. we're going to start like this. Then I'll, then I'll tell you what right. I was kind of thinking. Okay. Too. Okay. Who, who'd make, we we apologize make? to any coach that we may offend during <laughs> I, this segment. I don't know any. You, you, guys might are know. All, you guys are all very qualified people, and we really don't know that much about you, and we're going to pretend like we do, but there's a disclaimer. <laughs> good, good. Now that's out of the way. Uh, who'd make the best public defender, Mike? Who, who'd make the best public defender, the guy who is... Uh, you get caught, like, you know, public urinating, not you, but one, and this guy's going to have to represent you. I think it had to be someone who can really control the message well. Okay. Who can really control the message well? I think Doc Rivers would be a very good public yeah. defender. He would scare. He would scare them. Doc Rivers it. is trying to sell us all on DeAndre Jordan being the no-brainer defensive player of the year. He can get you off your public urination chart. He is a great <laughs> uh, salesman. That's a good sell. I was going to go with Frank Vogel. I think he just looks the part. I, could, I, I think he's I, just a little too... He's a little too understated, I think. Oh, I think man. you need a fiery guy oh, to be really? the public defender. Oh, Maybe man. I'm wrong. I think Frank Philby, he, he would sit down with you and he'd say, uh, he'd probably say something like, look, I don't know what you did, but we were going to get you off. Here's what I will say about Frank Vogel. I feel like he's the kind of guy that would really know all the loopholes of the law Definitely. to be able to get you off on a technicality. He, I feel like Frank Vogel as your as and a Doc Rivers tandem <laughs> with Frank Vogel doing like the nitty gritty and Doc yeah. Rivers doing the kind of schmoozing and yeah, talking yeah. out. I think that would be a really good combo. Right, not bad, not bad. All right, who uh, who makes the best used car salesman? Used car So used salesman. car salesman, that has to be someone that, you know, wears, he has like a cheap suit. Like what, mm-hmm. I'm trying mm-hmm. to think of like the best qual- characteristics of a used car salesman. You know, just they're very... Uh, they're unoccupied with the thoughts of what you want. They're really just trying to get you to get the car, right? So it's not about right. what you actually want. So it's more about convincing. I think the best used car salesman here is Thibodeau. So you're I saying think Tibbs is the one. So because, someone who's like, you're going to do it my way. Yeah, yeah. Get, get, get in the car. Yeah, it feels good, right? You like that. You like that old Nissan, right? It feels good. It's yours. I feel like Thibs would not be that interested in selling you. He's on stuff. Yeah, no, that might work. Game show host, Mike. Who's going to be a game show host? Ooh. Um, <laughs> someone's got to have a, like a kind of good-looking face uh you know I, scott brooks <laughs> might not be bad good-looking jeff face hornacek maybe Ooh, he kind of looks the part for sure yeah maybe jeff hornacek i like I think jeff he hornacek. would be a good game show but he's a little also a little too understated so um i was gonna go with spolster on this one. Oh yeah spolster hey, he could good. be like survivor miami and that's spolster like his logical position is the, mm. the host of the show brett brown would be pretty good too oh yeah i like brett brown brett brown would be good at that i mean he's he's good at convincing uh Young people to buy into something. Who's going to be the uh, Who's going to be the heart surgeon? Who's going to be the oh, very serious the surgeon? Job. Yes, I did not expect you to do heart surgeon. Yeah, as one of the left field there, right? I am stalling right now. This is such an obvious one. I know exactly who I want. He's Doogie Howser, basically. I want Brad Stevens doing my heart surgery, and no, give me anybody it's young. else. That's it's not. He's by far the most intelligent. Brad guy. Stevens would still be in med school. No way, man! Don't undersell him. He'd be the young <laughs> How, hip doctor at like at uh you know one of the best hospitals. He's at like you know. Wouldn't Penn's he still hospital. be in med school? I feel like you'd want someone a little a little older than Brad no. Stevens. Maybe Steve Kerr. 
No, Steve Kerr would be a good game show. Three host. point shooter, like really, you know, precision in that regard. Mike uh, Boonholzer would be a very good heart surgeon. Okay, all right, I good. Think. There's your heart surgeon, and uh, we'll do one more. Who is going to be the driver's ed teacher of the NBA? Sitting in the <laughs> sitting in the passenger Lionel seat. Lyle Hollins. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's uh, my first thought. Just the guy who's like willing to say a lot of different things and. Yeah. All right. Now back the rear end in here. All right. I was gonna say. Uh, I think He's got that, like kind of the calm voice, but he kind of that comes across as very stern. No, Stan Van Gundy though. I Stan, Stan would just like yeah. Stan would just kind of like you know flip out anytime yeah. you like he's, forgot to put the turn signal the, uh, on. Yeah, he's hitting the imaginary brake like the entire time you're driving. <laughs> yeah, I, I think Stan would be an interesting left, one. Left, left, <laughs> left. That's perfect. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Just making the Where's guy... Where's your turn signal? Oh, my goodness That gracious. is a terrible impression. I'm yeah. sorry. I, I, is, that like, is that how he sounds? I don't think I've heard... Stan, I've heard him stand yell, you know, yell a few times, and he's been pretty... Uh, well, he had the great soundbite this year with the, the build a wall. Form a fucking wall. Yeah. You know, like his voice kind of... It, it, it breaks. Oof, man. These last couple minutes might have to be stricken from the record. Books. All right. It's going to give everyone who's listening a heart attack, and then they're going to be really confused. Uh, but that's good, because now we can get away from these. I thought that was fun, though. But uh, let's let's talk a minute now, um, kind of end with what's going on in the NBA. Uh, last two weeks, like we said, the injuries occurred. We kind of hit on that. There was also a little tiff between, uh, between Rondo and his coach, Rick Carlisle. Mm-hmm. I uh, wanted to get your take on that, Mike. It's one of those hard-headed personality players who thinks his way is the best way, and he's the point guard, versus a coach who's been very successful and also is a very much my way, my system guy. Yeah. I, what do you think? Well, let's also note that that Rondo gave an interview. We're taping it on Sunday. Uh, Rondo gave an interview to Yahoo uh, that kind of clarified a lot of that situation. He said, you know, he, he he's trying to fit in. He really likes playing there, and, you know, he said that a lot of his coaches that he's butted heads with before have become some of his best, you know, advocates mm-hmm. and that he still is in touch with Carlisle and it was a little blown up that whole thing. Good. I think um I think it's just a tough fit. I mean, Dallas is a team that with the way that they were playing, their identity was how they were able to flow into so many multiple options. They basically their offense is basically like pick and rolls on top of pick and rolls with decoy action and the ability to swing it and they had so many playmakers between at their non traditional positions between the two and the three with Parsons and Ellis, uh and, you know, great score and Dirk. Um you bring Rondo into that, it's just such offensively they felt like they needed better defense, so they brought in Rondo and they figured, you know, well, our offense will drop, but our defense will be better, and the difference on defense will be greater than the drop on offense. Mm-hmm. In fact, what's happened is the opposite. The defensive upgrade has not been as profound as the offensive downgrade. I think Par- it's Parsons it's, has been hurt too. Yeah, sir. Sure. Like, I, I just don't think that even when they're fully healthy, I mean, it's hard to see them being that dangerous. I just don't. Yeah, it's slipping. hard to ask a guy like Rondo to just change his game in like two months. Yeah, I mean he's also shooting like thirty percent from the free throw line, and yeah. you can't you can't be this is some like fifth grade. You can't be the point guard and not be able to shoot free throws. Mm-hmm. It's an inherently opposite thing. You, you can't have the ball in your hands at all times, especially at the end of the game, and then also not be reliable to hit free throws, Absolutely. especially at a thirty percent clip. And that's that's like hack a Rondo territory. 100%. Like that's like if you're if you're behind you you should foul rondo couldn't agree more couldn't agree more. Like, don't why let, them run, why let them run a set when you could just foul a guy who's gonna hit maybe a free throw yeah yeah i, I, I just think that like the the blowout obscures a couple bigger problems with that team that mm. i think i think it's getting too much attention because one is they're not very deep they have no, no depth they traded yep. they cv traded. charlie villanueva gets good minutes now yeah and, and even amari like is just nothing left and both those guys have one ability the one guy who's offense. played well for them is aminu and that's mm-hmm. really the rest of their bench is very subpar i would no, they say miss, I mean, they miss brandon Wright. it's funny because i was i was at the sun's nets game um the overtime game on friday night uh that the nets lost and brandon Wright does so much for them he, that he was doing for the Mavs. Just rim running, doesn't need the ball, a bunch of blocks, super active. That activity, the Mavs are an unathletic team. That's, I think, the most the biggest difficulty they have is that they can't overcome a game they're not shooting well or not running a good offense or not matching up well in right. game. Because they're an I mean, unathletic team. I giving them a little bit of that, but I, I see yeah, what you're saying. If he's your athletic injection, I mean, they're an on-the-court, I'm sorry, a below-the-rim team. Yeah, the other I just think there's the other problem is Rondo himself is just not. Let's say Rondo and Carlisle were butting heads, but Rondo was playing at a 2011 mm-hmm. level. 
I think that the problems would be very much lesser. I mean, Rondo is doesn't try to finish at all. You, you know, when he gets in the lane, he throws up these junk shots right. and he, you know, he throws passes that guys aren't ready for. They're just he's just not a good as good anymore as he was. Yeah, and I think. The other problem, and that's is something that nobody's really talking about, but I think is their biggest issue, is that Dirk has not had a great year. Yeah, Dirk may finally be showing his age. Nothing that they do is relevant unless he's as good as he can sure, be. I mean, sure. he's just—he's not shooting well. He's—it's much easier to play him with a smaller guy now. Yeah, uh, and we have to mention that Monte Ellis has been playing poorly, and Tyson yeah, some Chandler of that might is, be tied to Rondo. But Tyson yes. Chandler—I think it, a lot of that is. But I think Tyson Chan, uh, Chandler's been injured. Um, there's been. A lot going on with them, a lot of different lineups. Like you said, they have almost no depth, and the depth they do have, they bring on guys who are very uh, single-minded in what they can do on the court. Amari's yeah. not thinking about how I can change the game on D. Charlie Villanueva's not thinking about how I can change the game on D. Right. You know, they're, they're, J.J. Barea's sure, not thinking about Exactly. They're, they're very thin on the wing right now. I mean, right. you're, you're seeing it. I mean, Aminu, they're using a lot more as a 4-5 type, not really as a three, and they're a half game a half game up right now on San Antonio. I think they're going to fade Dallas. I just don't think they have. I just don't think they have the depth, athleticism, or defense to do. I mean, right now, and it's not a Ronda thing. Like right now, if you play Dirk in a playoff series, if you play the Clippers, he's got to guard Blake Griffin or DeAndre Jordan. If you play Portland, he's got to guard Aldridge or Robin Lopez. Keep him off the glass. Mm-hmm. You know, if you play mm-hmm. Houston, might be a little easier, but you know they've. Their bigs have been really good. Yeah, this I was gonna year. say. I mean, I'm, maybe I'm, it's not. I think um, Houston's good. I think I think Houston, in a different way, is in, and you might totally disagree with me, but like they're a game and a half behind Memphis now. I think they're a tougher playoff matchup than Memphis. Is. I disagree. James Harden is a difference maker, man. I think he scares other teams. I think and he that can win Houston games. is better right now than Memphis. They might have a better record, but I think in the playoffs it's going to be a little easier to help off guys. And we say we posted this stat, you know, this week, and I think it's relevant. I mean, Houston generates so much of their offense at the line. Last year in the playoffs, Harden did not generate a lot of free throws because they're playing against teams that don't foul as much, and they're playing you know, against teams that are able to help off their guys and clog the lane. I think it's going to be harder for them to do to play their game. But one thing that is encouraging for them is that they can they, – the way their bigs are playing, maybe that changes the calculus. But I still am not – I'm still not sure that that's a. They're playing really well. I'm just not sure that that's a team built really to win in April, May, and June. Yeah, maybe. But I, I kind of buy into the way that they play around their one superstar, which is different. That's not the way this NBA is. It's been a league of you know multiple superstars um, and the right role players. But they play around him properly, and part of it is that he's been such a good passer this season. He's always been a good passer, but. Uh, Harden's keeping everyone interested. They're keeping he's keeping his teammates invested in him being the leader and being the best player with the ball in his hands most of the game. Yeah. But but all of their I don't know small forward through power forward brigade from Papa Nicolau to Monte Yunus to you know uh, Smith and Jones now back like Jones has been awesome. Well, and that's the thing; those are four big guys who can all do multiple things on the court. They all run. They all play relatively athletically, and they all pass. So. They kind of have like an unselfish, interesting team that they've created where they they know the pivot point in Harden. Team identity is important. Uh, and they kind of have figured out a way that Dwight's not part of the equation. And yeah. that's the scary thing is that I don't we don't know if he's coming back. We really, I, I, pretty I, I worry that. that he's going to mess up some of what Right. What happens when he comes back? If like, he does. All you're saying is great. They've certainly overachieved and Harden's had an amazing year. I just think that those when you get to the playoffs like it doesn't matter how much you've overachieved if you are Houston and you're playing let's say you draw the clippers in round 1 and you've got to play mm-hmm. Blake and DeAndre I mean how are your bigs going to guard those guys right right no I, and I, in I, the I playoffs you can load some of the stuff that those smalls small bigs are able to get away with the rim running the sneaking on the baseline the mm-hmm. you know I mean Jones I think has been the most encouraging thing for Houston and Smith off the bench, I mean, that's a tough cover. But, you know, in yeah. the playoffs, like, you can have time to say, okay, we know what Terrence Jones and Josh Smith have been able to do effectively. Right. I just think they're game, more game planable. And we'll see. I mean, I've been wrong before. I, I just, But I didn't really like them in the playoffs last year. And I think they, I thought they would lose in the first round, and they did. So um, I think Memphis, even though they're struggling, I mean, yeah. they know what they are. They know when the game gets tight what they're supposed to do, and that's going to help them. I yeah. mean, now they're They've just been in a bunch of series, too, in the last few years. So. Yeah, now they're just kind of struggling through a bit of a rough patch where, I mean, Green has fallen off a little bit, and they're not trying to split their their you know wings right now. They're and, still 44 and 18, so it's yeah. things are all they're, right. they're struggling a little five bit. Five and five in their last ten. Um, yeah. Two things. 
Uh, quick, quick opinion on should Indiana get the seven seed and Chicago get the two and Paul George come back? Can Indiana win that seven two series? Sure, I think Indiana is playing really well. I think that's a pretty interesting seven two for the I Eastern so. Conference. I mean, anyone too. they play, I think, is very interesting. Uh, yeah. they're playing well. I like, uh, I like what Solomon Hill is doing. I think he's a good player. He is good. I think yeah. they're going to come ahead of losing Stevenson in the long run. Yeah, I think. Sure. I Interesting, mean, right? That's just a thought. Chicago's nope. a, another team that I would, unless Ro, if if Rose is Rose, it changes the equation. But yeah. That's like if you have to if you get to play Aaron Brooks and Etwan Moore in the back backcourt. I mean, that's a classic example of a team that looks great in the regular season, and then yeah. the playoffs come and you remember that it's Aaron Brooks and Etwan Moore. Of course, Moore. of course, and they remember it too. Uh, more importantly, uh, and then we have to talk about uh, Russell Westbrook because mm. we needed to put the time aside to give him the credit that he deserves for. You know, one of the better week-and-a-half runs in, in NBA history. Oh, that's what it was, statistically. I think his team was like 500, but... Yeah, well, that's a whole interesting discussion. <laughs> that's a whole other thing. Uh, Kobe's teams are under 500 in the games. He scored over 40. I think Iverson might be one of the only superstars whose team, aside from like Jordan and I think it was David Robinson had one of those two, whose team was over 500 when they scored over 40. Yeah. It's one of those stats that's kind of misleading, but he wasn't just scoring over 40 points. They were triple-doubles four games in a row. Um yeah, I mean, when you, when you have the ball a lot and you're the most important player in your team, I mean, you're going to rack up stats. I don't mean to say that. To, well, you make it seem like everyone should get triple doubles. No, of course not. But I'm just saying that, I mean, that's super impressive. I saw a stat. One of the great, one of the, my favorite guys to follow is uh, Seth Parno of uh, the site Nylon Calculus. And he calculated a bunch of different new stats. There's one he has is called True Usage, mm-hmm. which is like, what percentage of possessions do you, kind of everybody talks to the points you create. It's so like, what percentage of your possessions do you shoot or set up the guy for the direct assist or right. whatever? Westbrook's number is, when he's on the floor, he's doing that for 75% of Oklahoma State's possessions when Durant's not in. That's an absurd number. How do we contextualize that? Like, who is number two in the league? I'm not sure. I, yeah. Again, this is only in, like, kind of recently without yeah, Durant, yeah, with no Durant. It, during this run. I didn't look at who was number two, but the point is that three quarters of Oklahoma State's possessions are a Russell Westbrook's point, mm-hmm. a Russell Westbrook turnover, a Russell Westbrook foul drawn, or a Russell Westbrook assist. It's interesting. That is an absurd yeah, stat. Yeah, he's uh, and that that leads us to or that, that's uh, kind of a good takeaway from what we said earlier about what will he look like at thirty. Yeah, yeah he's he's playing three seasons in one right now. Absolutely, and it's just interesting because it's not like like he is the one doing everything, which is a is necessary because they don't have anyone who else who can, but it's also a way to rack up some numbers. I mean, if you're and he's a great free throw shooter, which yeah, helps I mean, those numbers. Like Harden, if you're creating if you're creating seventy five percent of your team's offense just because you have the ball a lot and you pass the ball a lot, I mean, you're gonna rack up numbers. And he rebounds because he just wants. The yeah, I mean, he's an amazing so player. I'm just saying that, yeah. like, I don't think he's the MVP certainly. And well, I, no, they no because Curry and Harden's teams are way better, and they're having. Really good years. Anthony Davis came back from injury with 38, some ridiculous amount of rebounds and eight blocks. Yeah. Like, you, and it's going to be interesting when Durant comes back. I mean, it, it almost leads to the question, like, would you rather just have Durant kind of playing more off the ball? And I don't think, West- I don't know if you can minimize Durant as a game plan. Like, be, it, someone's going to have to get minimized. Would you rather minimize Durant? So you're saying his ball do- handling, not his scoring. Like, I yeah. just think his ball handling. Yeah, it's interesting because I think they have been uh, – they've gone with – he's been the lead dog and Westbrook's been the, the Robin. And they have lost in, you know, a number of playoff series now, mm-hmm. a number of years in a row, I should say. What if they switched it? What if they went with Westbrook as the lead dog, just being super aggressive, getting defense to collapse all over, and Durant becoming way more of like a – not a court spacer. He's already a court spacer because he has ridiculous range and, and he's one of the – if not the best offensive players in the league. But using him as the guy who gets to reap the benefits of space – yeah, might be interesting. It's just interesting. Maybe you use him more as a pick and roll screener. Sure. You use him coming off screens. You have him post up more. It's interesting because they've spent Durant has spent so much time in the last few years becoming a better passer and a better decision maker, mm-hmm. so that he can't you can't just play him as a scorer. And now it's almost like you wonder if you want to kind of dial that back and go back to what he was maybe three years ago. Yeah. Well, uh, it's an of, interesting discussion. I mean, of, it's also possible he's not going to be healthy enough to. Yeah, also, that was what I wanted to say. Is Kind of being part of the pick and roll uh, is another level of physicality in the game. It's just another way for someone to get an elbow into you or to get their arms around you and take away the space. That's what's so weird about Durant. He's 
a six foot ten guy, six foot eleven guy, but he's so thin. The physicality of the game already wearing on him at this season, especially, but. But he is so thin. Remember the bench press stuff? Like he couldn't do like 135 <laughs> or whatever, 185 yeah. one time. I mean, I can do yeah. 185 like 700 times. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> monster arms. Mike's just a jacked out monster, guys. Yeah. We didn't know. Um, but so that's those are that's Westbrook. That's how there's really no other way to shape it other than he's just been electric lately. Yeah. And, you know, he's not the MVP, but. Holy cow, he's had a great two weeks. I don't want to minimize what he's doing. <laughs> great season, He's actually. been amazing, and it's crazy how difficult it is to guard him. Mm-hmm. Um, it's amazing. I saw another stat I listened to. I don't forget where I found this. He's scoring like 14 transition points a game, which is would be like 20th in the league if he was a whole team right? or something like that. I mean, that's like definitely got to be more than what the Wizards generate. Well, he had the Maybe four – the, the point the, – I played the other night against the Sixers where he had um, – he got the rebound. He took four dribbles and two-hand dunked it. Unbelievable play. Yeah. That's a fast break point, but he just got a regular rebound, took yeah. four dribbles, I mean, and dunked the ball. cannot stop him. And if he like makes good decisions and you have him running down the court and you have Durant kind of sliding into a three-point yeah. slot, I mean, that is scary, but... Yeah, it's all good. I just, I still am a little worried about his decision making yeah. at times. Oh, you know, it's sure. certainly at the end of the Chicago game. I think he made a lot of the couple, fourth quarter of the Chicago game. He was bad. Yeah, I think he made a couple not so great decisions. He admitted that there was one play that he should have found Ibaka. Yeah, Ibaka on the pick and roll, like the second to last play. Yeah, so that, but it's very cool. I just, I'm still just not sure that yeah. a lot has changed with that team. And you know how I feel about who the, the guys they've added. I think. They're fine, but we I'm not that, yeah. wild about them. <laughs> um, all right, and then the last person I wanted to touch on who's kind of been picking up steam, potentially throwing his hat into the Rookie of the Year conversation is uh, my boy Nerland's Noel. Uh, great piece on SB Nation this week by uh, Satchel Price um, talking about basically uh, how we define via synergy and, and uh, advanced stats, but Noel's becoming a really special player. And... Um, on the defensive end. And, yeah, uh, I was going to say. But he's also shooting. On one end, he's very special. He's shooting a lot better from the free throw line, too. If you guys can hear in the background, my dog, Talia, is freaking out. She's just oh, like. Oh, you said Nerland's Noel. And yeah, she got, and she got excited. excited. She, heard, she heard. She said, that's my, <laughs> that's my owner's favorite player. Um, but so anyhow, since the All-Star break, the guy's been averaging like uh, 12, 10, a couple assists, three blocks, and almost three steals a game. Um, Unbelievable. Only a few people in NBA history, uh, Akeem Olajuwon a few different times, uh, David Robinson and Gerald Wallace, have had seasons of above two steals and above two blocks. And Noel's 20 or 21 years old. Uh, and he does it at a really high clip. I mean, he had a six-steal game the other night against the Jazz. He had a four-steal or five-steal game the other night against Atlanta. A couple blocks, great hands, good instincts. And he's just picking the pockets of of dopey big guys. Yeah. He just goes around them. They, they're not using their body. He goes around them. And anyone who saw him at Kentucky shouldn't be too surprised. I mean, his block steal rate was unbelievable in college. Mm-hmm. One of the best mm-hmm. we've ever seen. Right. So it shouldn't be too surprising. That you, had some, you ran into somebody who knew a little something yeah, about I mean, yeah. Noel yeah. this week, maybe. I mean, you 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 always wanted him to be on I was, Washington. You've yeah, always been a I, fan I, of I Noel. I can't really talk about what we talked about. But but you can tell will, me that you wanted him on Washington. I will Washington. say that when he <laughs> when he slipped by the Wizards, I was wondering what they were thinking. Sure, and sure. I was an Otto Porter fan, too. And I was just like, yep. you know, this is a guy that, you know, you have – you need a young big man, and you could add a whole new dimension. And well, I don't yeah, know. yeah, no, I, it's it's weird with Noel because I think he's getting to a point where he's getting respect from other players and other teams. He talks a little trash. He got in Gobert's head the other night in, in a losing effort, but like Gobert got heated at him. If he can build that type of defensive edge where he kind of has that cachet and and people look at him as like that's one of the best defensive players in the league, and he's twenty one, twenty two. Uh, that's a great foundation. If he could be a Tyson Chandler to what maybe Embiid could be the actual superstar, uh, I would love that. Ten yeah, times out of ten, I'd that take that. That pairing is going to be very interesting because, you know, you know this better than me, Embiid's practicing threes while he's uh, injured, isn't he? I've heard he's the best shooter on the Sixers. I'm not even kidding. I've, I've heard that he's that's one of the best. That's not saying much. I mean, no, I'm just saying, but, like, I, the rumor you is. You would be the third best shooter on the Sixers. Uh, top top five. And, uh, I, I think Cannon is pretty good, and Robert Covington, you'd be number three. That's fair, but I'm saying, like, I think he's going to. I mean, look, I hope he doesn't come into the league as thinking he's a three-point shooter, but his mid-range game is apparently very nice. And I, he had a but that's going to be interesting because if you play them together, I mean, someone's going to have to be able to shoot a little bit yeah, that's, for that's that MB. tandem to work. Yeah. And so it's going to be almost like a, a weird reverse like kind of Chandler thing where usually it's the big the bigger guys that yeah. – 
is the one that can't shoot and now it's like the bigger guy and then the the rim protector is actually the four it's gonna be interesting we'll see still not sure i'd like the carter williams trade but i'm excited for Embiid and noel i think yeah. that'll be an interesting pairing well, time will tell on that trade hopefully that lakers pick becomes the uh, the sixth pick mike we're gonna wrap it up but what are you looking forward to this week in the league anything coming up on the radar uh yeah, I'm trying to think. I mean, the Sunday afternoon game today was something we're excited yeah, for. Yeah, yeah, the uh, Clippers, Golden Warriors. State Clippers. I, I I always like it when Paul and plays Curry because I think Paul's by far the best defensive point guard in the league, and he's the one guy that can kind of stifle Curry mm-hmm. a little bit with the way they trap. But there are also times where Curry just demolishes him. It's, it's kind of a bit of a boomer bust type of thing. Yeah. Either Curry is awful or Curry is great. And so State Farm kinda, wins, man. And State Farm wins. Sure does. Yeah. It's Cliff and. Yeah, whatever his name Sebastian is, Sebastian Curry. Curry. Yeah, I still don't understand why John Wall isn't on that. <laughs> yeah, right. He's like the only point guard who's not. Lillard made it too. Yeah, yeah, he had a cameo. He did. Yeah, so weird. it's not like an John Adidas Stockton. Thing. Who's he? Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. Well, that, look, dude. Uh, I'm sure there's other games. We're just not coming to the top of my head right now. The thing I'm going to tell you, I'm most looking forward to, really, because we talk about the West so freaking much. I'm really interested to see who gets the eight seed in the East, the, the seven through eight seed, uh, seven, eight, and then nine, ten right now. Actually, going to 11, if you put Brooklyn, Brooklyn is two games out of the seven seed. It has Indiana at seven, Miami at eight, Charlotte at nine, Boston at 10, Brooklyn at 11. And Detroit still sort of flickering, yeah, but and, probably dying soon. Yeah, dying, but flickering nonetheless. So we will see how that shakes out. But All there's right, what's a lot your prediction? Who goes seven and eight? Yeah, here's my prediction. I think Indiana goes eight, and I think that Charlotte hops up into seven. I think that Miami misses. I think Boston misses on purpose, and I think Brooklyn continues to play how they are, which makes them miss. I would so I'm going to go the reverse and like an Indiana seven and Charlotte eight. Okay, I mean, Charlotte's playing very well right now. Yeah, the um, Miami thing. We both uh, we both think they're out now. You thought yeah, they were in all year. I thought they were in until they've had so many more injuries. I mean, Dang is hurt now. Drogic mm-hmm. is hurt. I mean, they just yeah. can't get their whole team together. Drogic has been hurt all year though. That's the thing. They they kind of knew he had a bad back. All right, Mike. Those were easy predictions. Give me a bold prediction. All right, you want bold? Here's bold. Orlando Magic, backup guard Willie Green will score six points on three of eight shooting in Wednesday's game against the Milwaukee Bucks. Take it to the bank. Take it to the bank. You heard it here first. I'm Ben. That's Mike. Find us on iTunes. Search for Limited Upside. Uh, you'll find the Limited Upside podcast. You'll see a little SB Nation-ish logo. You're also going to find us on platform on SB Nation backslash NBA. And then on SoundCloud, as usual, just search for the Limited Upside podcast.